Good morning and welcome to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan, on the show today. Are you planning a holiday somewhere a little bit different? I'll be talking to the Irish host of a new Moulin Rouge Airbnb and hear what other exotic properties are out there for you to stay in. We'll be talking about the challenges involved in clearing out a relative's home after a bereavement and give you practical advice on where to get started. We'll hear about new age-friendly housing in Dublin, specifically designed for older people, which is addressing the soaring population of retirees. And Jennifer Sheehan will be helping us explore ways to display those holiday souvenirs and impress guests with stylish cocktails. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent, email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. You can listen live or listen back to the show and all of our podcasts on the News Talk app, which is powered by GoLoud. Now, we're doing a little bit of travel on The Home Show this week, but it got me thinking about that time I brought home a painting some cushion covers and a funny shaped bottle of liquor from a holiday years ago um, in Turkey, I think. Uh, bought in the blistering sunshine at a busy market. I've no idea what I was thinking. None of them ever saw the light of day in my house. <laughs> I can tell you it was a mistake from the get go. I think they all ended up in charity shops. Well, later on, we'll be taking a look at how to display your holiday souvenirs you do want to keep. And I'd love to hear your best and worst memories of things you brought home or maybe were given as a gift, a souvenir from somebody else's holiday. Uh, text us 53106 uh, for 30 cent or you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you're very welcome along to the show this morning. The Moulin Rouge is an iconic venue many of you will know if you've ever been to Paris and of course from the 2001 Baz Luhrmann film of the same name. But did you know you can now stay there? Claudine Vandenberg is originally from Dublin and is a lead dancer at the Moulin Rouge. She's also the host of this very unusual Airbnb and she's on the line to tell me more about it. Claudine, you're very welcome along to the home show. Hello, hi. Now, how did you become a dancer at the Moulin Rouge? So I started dancing when I was two and a half years of age. Um, I started with classical ballet and I later went into other disciplines um, such as jazz, contemporary and at 15 I left for London and I completed my degree at Lambert School of Ballet and Contemporary Dance. So I've been dancing from a very young age and it's been my passion. And uh, tell me about the type of show that is on at the Moulin Rouge. I, I've been there, actually, and it is a fantastic, it's a beautiful building for a start. And it's very, very glamorous and, uh, you know, uh, a really, really interesting part of Paris. Tell us a little bit about what goes on there. I'm, I'm so glad you enjoyed it, first of all. And um, so basically, we're a cast of 60, um, where it's like a kind of, I guess you could say a musical production, really. And... Um, we have 40 girls, 20 boys, and you start, when you start at the Moulin Rouge, you start learning the Cancan line, and um, you do four weeks of um, quite intense rehearsals, I guess, to learn the Cancan technique, because it's a dance eight and a half minutes long, specifically seen at the Moulin Rouge, you know, that's what we're famous for. And it's um, very quick. Highly acrobatic number that takes a lot <laughs> sure of practice. sure is. Lots of high kicks. Yeah. Yeah, lots of high kicks, cartwheels, jump splits, um, somersaults, all of it. It's all in there. So 
so a strong acrobatic focus is needed there and obviously that's where the ballet training comes in as well um technique wise supported quite well together um so yeah that's that's where I started and the audition process was I think it was four and a half hours long where they tested uh-huh. all different types of dance to see um how your versatility I guess just test the versatility and see how you could adapt into the choreography of the show. Indeed. Now, you need a bit of a lie down after all that. And luckily, <laughs> luckily, the Moulin Rouge has provided one. Tell me a little bit about this uh, particular property uh, that's available uh, in the windmill, in the famous windmill in Paris, in Montmartre. So this is the first time they've ever um, opened up the windmill. And basically, uh, Airbnb are offering um, an exclusive experience basically to stay in the windmill. It is a magnificent room. And um, basically the concept is that you're being taken back into the Belle Epoque. And it, re- it really feels like that in there. Um, the room is stunning. And not only is it the room that is part of the experience, there's also a private tour of the Moulin Rouge, its history, its costume makers, and its backstage area. And um, there's an aperitif on the rooftop. Also a three-course dinner menu. Um, prepared by resident chef here at the Moulin Rouge. Uh, Parisian petit déjeuner breakfast uh, will also be provided. Uh, and a meet and greet with me backstage um, in my dressing room where I can show you the costumes and makeup and a few co- other costumes. You know, you'll see other dancers probably floating around as well. The show itself, Best, best Eats Mouse and an overnight stay, obviously in this unforgettable room and... Um, inside the renowned Red Windmill. And it is unforgettable. There are vintage costumes, there are there's netting over the bed, there are roses hanging from the ceiling and French print screens. I mean, it's a kind of, it's a really unusual type of place. So this is really an experience that you're selling rather than the room itself. Yeah, it's, it's a whole experience. And, and the, the room is stunning. The light that comes into the room um, obviously the wind the windmill is lit up and it's it's it it couldn't get more authentic I don't think than this experience. <laughs> and uh, is it open available now? And if so, like what have people started using it and what is the feedback on it? Yeah, so guests can request a book and um, the three individual one night stays on June thirteenth for June thirteenth, twentieth, and twenty seventh, beginning on Tuesday, May seventeenth at seven pm, um, on Airbnb.com. And, and uh, in terms of then this kind of an offer, they've only the one room. Is that right? It's just just a kind of a one-off, unique thing. Yes, it's 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 yeah, it's really a yes, yeah, one-off. Um, that's what's so that's what's so special about it is because it's going to it's going to. I think there's going to be massive um, amounts of people trying to <laughs> book. Um, it's a very exciting experience, and it's for I think it's for two people as well. Two people. June 13th, 20th or 27th. Well, it would want to be for two people. It's super highly romantic. You wouldn't want to be going there on your own. And come here to me, what is the cost of involved there, uh, Claudine? The cost is one euro. One euro? Yes, one euro for, for all that experience, yeah. Wow. So why is, is the Moulin Rouge offering this fabulous experience at the cost of one euro? I guess I guess it's a it's well firstly it's about transporting the guests back to the Belle Epoque and also to to share with with the audience and to share this 
what the Moulin Rouge is all about. I mean, it's a fantastic opportunity for them. It's nearly like a competition, isn't it, rather than a booking it, holiday? It, it's going to be, it's going to be, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be very quick because it's really, it's really an exclusive experience. I guess, I guess it's about, it's about really sharing the, opening up the windmill. You know, I, I have never seen the space inside the windmill. Um, so then to, to get to see it, you know, I think our dancers now kind of want to see the space inside the windmill as well. I'm working there 10 years and everything is about the windmill. You know, on St. Patrick's Day, they turn the windmill green sometimes, you know. Yeah. It's all, it's the name itself, Moulin Mill, you know. So um, it's only... So actually getting... Sorry, go ahead. Getting, in, getting inside there and getting to stay there is incredible because it's only going to happen three times. All right, so there's three dates. Uh, give us the dates again, Claudine. The 13th, 20th and 27th. And it's open and the guests can request a book from Tuesday, this, uh, May 17th at 7pm. OK, so that's Airbnb. when the com. That's when the bookings go live and people can book it there. So for one euro, uh, you could stay in this entirely unique venue and uh, be shown around by Claudine. Claudine Vanderberg, thank you so much for joining us here on The Home Show. And listen, best of luck with all those high kicks. Are you planning on staying around long over in the Moulin Rouge? Yeah, yeah, I am. In my position, I'm, I'm planning on really, uh, I'm still really enjoying the role. All right. Well, it's a long way from Sutton to there. But listen, the very best of luck with you. And I'd say you'll be overrun with bookings, uh, maybe indeed from Irish people. Uh, thank you so much. Now, that was Claudine Vandenberg, who is working as a dancer and uh, over in the Moulin Rouge and is host of that Airbnb. Now, I'm also joined in studio by Joan Scales, editor of TravelToIreland.ie. Um, Joan, that is a fantastic offer, the Moulin Rouge. It's so exotic. Um, so we thought we would ask you then about different type of Airbnbs. And it's still a really, really popular way to book, isn't it? It is. And the thing about it is that there's so much variety nowadays. And it's not just Airbnb. You know, there's other companies as well. So I like to say... There are others out there too. So yeah. give them a chance too. Lots of really good Irish companies as well. Well, let's start then because you, you've picked out a few really, really interesting you know, alternative accommodation uh, yes. places. Uh, and of course, one is the Lighthouse. Now, this has actually taken off because even the OPW or whoever looks after the lighthouses in Ireland, they have converted quite a number of them to They Airbnbs. have, and a lot of them have been taken over by the Landmark Trust, which is the Irish version of the National Trust. And so they have a lot of the lighthouses around the country. Because, of course, the lighthouses have been decommissioned through, you know, technology mm. and uh, satellite technology, all that kind of stuff, automating of the lights. So they weren't needed now anymore. So the Landmark Trust are, are, um, have about eight or ten lighthouses around the country. Now, in some instances, you'd be staying in the actual lighthouse itself, say like Wicklow Head. It's like a massive big granite tower. And of course, they were always in places where it was very wild. Oh, of course. So, of course. so yeah. you, you're going to get the scenery <laughs> definitely with a lighthouse. OK, so this one, uh, this is in Fannet in County Donegal. In County yeah. Donegal. Yeah. Fabulous restoration has been done on it. And if you just look it up as Fanet Lighthouse, you'll find it. It's about 2000 a week, that one. OK, all right, OK. So but there's varying prices, you know, yeah. depending on whether you're staying for a few days. Are, you probably well. wouldn't want to now be nipping out for milk at three in the morning or something. No, like no, that. no, you okay. have to be organised, definitely. Plan your week. All right, that's fanetlighthouse.com. Uh, speaking of wild um, and wonderful, uh, an island all to yourself. Tell me about this I one. I know, I stayed in this some years ago. 
And we always think of islands as being off the coast, but this island is actually in Caffin. It's on Loch Uchter. There was a, uh, an abbey there, Trinity Abbey, in the 13th century, and the ruins of the abbey are still there. So they redeveloped the granaries like a stone building into a lovely, comfortable three-bedroomed house. Um, and it's very much about peace and quiet. You'll hear nothing but birds, loads of birds mm. around there. Then you've the lake, you've boats and canoes. There's a games room with a pool table. There's a sauna, jacuzzi. So you really have oh, everything right, that you want. Shed. How do you get out there? And Well, actually, fact, there's a causeway out to it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you, don't okay. have to, you don't have, you can drive out onto All right, the island, okay, yeah, yeah. which is grand. But I think it's 1500 a week. And well, actually, do you know, for six people, that's and, not bad. And but you have all your things like you know your jacuzzi, your sauna, yeah. and they're self-sufficient with power as well. They're solar okay. heat, solar powered. Okay, um, so that's trinityisland.com, Trinity and that's also on Airbnb. And it's also as well. on Airbnb. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Okay, it well, is, that's yeah. an unusual. That's kind of more luxurious than I was expecting. Uh, it's really nice. Now I haven't island. stayed there myself. It's gorgeous. <laughs> There's lots of other companies out there as well. Mm. So go exploring. Mm. Uh, now uh, go exploring uh, if you wanted to go on a plane but you don't like flying <laughs> you can actually stay well you know what on a plane one of the most famous planes of course is the jumbo jet because the jumbo jet revolutionised air travel the fact that you could actually carry 400 people you know across the Atlantic or down to Southeast Asia or whatever that's really transformed um, aviation and of course it, there was a great glamour about the, the, the jumbo jet. And in actual fact, Boeing hated it being called the jumbo jet. They, they only wanted it to be called the 747, which is actually what, what it is called. But it got this nickname as the jumbo jet. And so they spent years trying to get rid of that. Really? But one <laughs> company had this great idea of uh, turning one of these. A lot of them are decommissioned now. There's hardly any 747s flying. The, the the older ones and um, so this company has turned it into accommodation at Arlanda Airport in in Stockholm so you can actually go and stay on the plane right and, and, so and they, it's converted into bedrooms and a yeah, sitting bedroom. room and it's a door there's even a dorm room and then there's private suites there's a bar you can have your meals and everything I mean it's a it, for Aviation buff is yeah, a real yeah. treat. And it's just sitting in the it's, like on an apron yes, by itself. It is. It is. Okay. It's about 10 minutes from the main terminal. And uh, they bring you out, bus you out to it and uh, you get your um, aviation experience. Right. Okay. Without, go, without having to go anywhere. Without having to go okay, anywhere. Right, but it's okay. lots of people, you know, who love planes and it's yeah. real treat and it's pretty cheap it's about 50 euros a night for this is that all oh for just the, for a bed in for the uh, cabin, for a bed yeah, in yeah. yeah okay and um where would people find out about that one now that is on if if they that if you just search jumbo jet sweden it'll come up okay brilliant yeah. all right um so planes. from planes to trains planes to trains you can do the same on uh, staying at choo choo yeah but you know the british are fascinated by trains yes they really yeah. are and um you'd be surprised the number of places that you can stay in the UK in trains where trains carriages have been converted into accommodation but well of course it's there. the only way the royal family travel yeah. but these are stationary They're accommodation stationary. it's not They're like the Orient Express no. you're not going anywhere no you're not going it's anywhere just to stay stationary in it. and okay. basically what they've done is they've turned them into self-catering accommodation oh okay so that would actually be of great interest it's to great for family holidays yeah yeah. Really great idea. And a bit of excitement and for quirky. kids. And that. Yeah. You know, something a bit different. And actually the website for that is called Quirky Acom. 
dot com. Isn't that right? Okay. Yes. So railway carriage holidays. Uh, And then finally, and I've I've had a look in one of these, actually, I have never stayed there. These caves, um, cave houses in Spain, they were all the, I don't know where, whether they started out as kind of monastery um, so a lot of them are kind of down the south of Spain They're, they were kind of um, hermit hubs where monks and that would have gone yeah, to pray and stay there was an element of that but it's more than that in actual fact the reason why people start digging into hillsides and building homes in caves is the heat mm. you see within these caves the, the heat stays the same the temperature stays the same it's usually around 20-22 degrees all year round so because in the south of Spain, you get fierce summers. You know, you're talking about 40 degrees in mm. the summer. So this is a way of people <laughs> being able to keep cool and keep comfortable. And not only that, it wasn't just their homes, but they'd have their animals in there and everything. Mm. So if you want to stay in a cave in Spain, what will you pay for that now? Well, they're varying prices, um, usually from about 120 a night. Wonderful. Sleeping about four people. And there's a lot of them on Airbnb, you find. Okay. Lots of them on Airbnb. Wonderful. And, and they're, oh, you know, Granada, Cordoba, mm. Andalusia, those kind of areas. Right. Well, you've given us food for Something thought. Um, and uh, lots to think about for the summer holidays. Great to be back travelling again, isn't it, Joan? Oh, it certainly is. Oh, my God. Yes, yeah, <laughs> certainly is. I just came back from Palma. And um, it was great to see people moving around again. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, Joan Scales, editor of TravelToIreland.ie. Thanks for joining us again on The Home Show. Thanks, Sinead. Now, still to come here on News Talk on The Home Show after the break, we'll have Anne-Marie Kingston. She's a professional declutterer from Cork and she'll be here advising me on how to clear out somebody's home after a bereavement. Stay tuned. Back in a few. And you're very welcome back to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. If you'd like to get in touch with us today, it's 53106 on text. That'll cost you 30 cents. You can email us at thehomeshowonnewstalk.com and I'm over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan. 100 before the break, we were checking out all kinds of holiday destinations and I was asking about your souvenirs and where you store them and what you brought back. And we will be talking uh, later on in the show to Jennifer Sheehan, who'll be giving us some good tips on that. Now, decluttering uh, your own home can be hard enough. Uh, but what about when you have to clear out a relative's home after they have passed away and you're doing this while you're dealing with maybe your own grief uh, and it can make the process very, very difficult indeed. Well, Anne-Marie Kingston is founder of White Sage Decluttering and is here to advise on where to start. Anne-Marie, you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Thank you, Sinead, for having me on. Now, um, it's, a, it's a kind of a tough thing. I know when we when somebody passes away, you can kind of get caught up in the, you know, the funeral and the arrangements and all of that. It, it's a very sad process then maybe going into their home, especially if it's a parent or, or a loved one and clearing it out. Absolutely. And again, this year, especially in my line of work with my hands-on decluttering sessions here, I'm doing a lot more of it, to be quite honest. When it comes to, like, for many, I suppose, Sinead, what comes up, I suppose, it's kind of starting the the bereavement process again. It's kind of bringing up a lot of emotions. Um, and it's an end of an era for, obviously, a lot of homes. So it's really important, again, I suppose, just to, I suppose, take your time with it. But I'd always say, like, really, when it comes to, to decluttering, I would always advise, if people can, and I'd love the nation really to get behind it really, is to kind of start decluttering really before a loved one passes away. No, for everyone that is impossible. But it's just to start, I suppose, small, because decluttering, as I always say, it's a process. It's mm. never, never stops. And it's really important just to go step by step. You're advocating then maybe to do your own 
decluttering in, in like anticipation of your demise? Is it just living that simpler life or is it just preparing for your items to be cleared out to make it easier for, for your loved ones? Exactly, because it's come up a lot is the Swedish death method. It's a huge burden for family members to take on this decluttering task because a lot of people are working full time, they have kids, there's after school activities going on and it's very hard to kind of get that time apart Mm. to go in and many people are going in there, Sinead, they're decluttering for weeks and in for months, many are going in there for years and some people have to do it on a more quicker basis because the houses might be going up for sale, it might be going for let, and this is where then I see it a lot and I've in different discussions over the years, skips come in and I'm 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 for skips and I'm against skips. I'm definitely against skips when it comes to decluttering because there's always a home for everything. And when it comes to loved ones, it's really I suppose look, we and I suppose this is what a lot of people do. They basically take the entire contents, Sinead, over to the house. Especially mm. if there's if if there's a girl in the house, because mm. again it's a family home, and I think that's the way we're wired, Sinead. We're we're lads mightn't be as emotional as we are, but we take literally the whole contents and we fill up our own houses, and yeah, that's starting. Yeah. You see, that's another that's starting another ripple effect. Isn't the it the sideboard and the ornaments yes. and the googos and the clothes and all that? Yeah. Now you mentioned there the Swedish this Swedish death cleaning. Now this is a, yeah. a writer, an artist called Margareta Magnusson, and and. Yes. Uh, this is an unusual thing because you, it, it, it's kind of like Marie Kondo on speed in, in one yes. sense. It's about simplifying <laughs> and decluttering your life yes. um, while you are still alive, but in anticipation of what's to come. And yes. you, you're saying really this is all about organisation. So she talks here about boxing up items that are not to be opened. Is that it? What I would say, like, no, and I kind of put my own twist to it. I'm always kind of saying, because this actually came up for me, Sinead, big time. When I was doing my, I did an intense 12-month decluttering course back in Limerick in 2016. Um, And what came up for me myself was, I said, if anything happened to me, and I was in my mid-30s, and I said, if anything happened to me in the morning, who would have to go through my stuff? And this is a big thing. I know, and I had very little. I would probably, two black bags would be my clothes, my paperwork and all my financials and everything like that are in folders, they're up to date and everything. But for many people and the homes I go into, there is decades of clutter. And this is where there's a lot of overwhelm comes in. And it's just, I suppose, look for all of us just to, you know, start the decluttering process. Unfortunately, we can't take stuff with us, Sinead. Mm, I suppose there's a guilt maybe in chucking away other people's things, maybe something that you know your mother absolutely loved, little ornaments that you think are dreadful and tacky and all that but there yes. is that guilt about I don't want to give them away I don't want to throw them away so maybe the so, so the kindness maybe is boxing it up and saying look this is what this is I don't mind yes. what you do with it or this is for the charity shop or this is yes. for a gift maybe for somebody else or yes that kind of thing yeah and do you know what it's lovely because look I've seen it I see it look with um, neighbours that have passed away wouldn't it be lovely to give someone something when you're still alive mm. and it was actually a conversation I was actually having yesterday with someone why wait till you pass away go to the next world and give it to give it to them when they would appreciate it now actually it was coming up with jewellery that's where the conversation was yeah. and you know why not give it now why wait you also mentioned uh, it's a good idea to get rid of things that could embarrass your family when they're clearing out your home what do you mean by that when it comes to you'll be surprised the things that come up i have gone into homes and there could be pictures of old boyfriends there could be old valentine's cards there could be all different things um and look as i keep saying 
clutter is personal to us all differently, Sinead. So your clutter or my clutter and even me, the professional the clutter, has clutter uh, because of stuff continuously coming in. So again, like we might have been in a past life, we might have been doing something that maybe we mightn't have taught our kids about or family about. Why not just start clearing out now? I'm all about like, what have we not used in the last 12 to 18 months? And that's what it's about. We don't need to surround ourselves with items that, you know, oh, well, that was mams and have items that we use mm. and not mm. fill up our cupboards because the more cupboards we have, Sinead, the more stuff we're going to fill in there. And just, um, again, out of sight, out of mind is, comes in very handy. It's like that attic space. Also, look, we'll put it up there. It'll be handy sometime. And this comes up huge, I suppose. And I've been saying for the last two years, if you have not used it in a world pandemic, <laughs> when are you going to use it? Really and truly. You have to be even honest with ourselves too, because again, Sinead, like we're not, unfortunately, look, they're only items, they're only things. And I'd always say like, if there's items, again, going back to loved ones, you must remember, it was like, actually, for me, actually, my mother nearly had a stroke, but like, I cleared out my wedding cards, my engagement cards. I wasn't going back on the, like, on our anniversaries, going back, opening those cards, again, referring. And I recycled them and I went through them again like that. I went through them. I, um, but, but and again, memories, Anne-Marie, yes. memories. Yes. But they're in our hearts and our heads. And we have, we have, like, we have them documented already. Right, okay. That's what people say to me. And they're like, I mean, do you just come in and just basically try everything out? And I, I don't because it's really, I suppose, look, it's getting started. So, like, if there's something coming in, get something out and, like, reverse. Because the amount of clients that I've worked with over the last five years, and they're like, Amory, and husbands would share with me. They were like, Amory, there was clot, there was stuff coming in, bags were coming in, but there was nothing going out. And you have to balance that seesaw mm, mm. because if you don't, it's going to take over. And it starts as a small, small seed, Sinead, because it could be the simplest thing as maybe a mom having um, a new baby bringing home to the house. There could be sickness, there could be tragedy, there could be a house move, there could be empty nesters. There's so many levels to like how clutter evolves. So it's really important, I suppose. Look, as I always say, start. Start with one press, one thing. And you'll be surprised when you get into it, it does get um, infectious. Absolutely. And like, I'd always say, try selling. Selling, like, there was two Christmases I'd not put my hand in my pocket um, because there was, I was able to, you know, I had 10 euro here, I had 50 here. Um, and it all adds up and it's mm. great to get money back. And that's another thing that reduces the guilt when it comes right. to letting okay. go. Because okay. what letting go, Sinead, actually is, it's actually, it has to get out of your house. But then the other thing is, it has to leave your house. So there's destinations there, it's going to charity. Not moving around the house, like 360 degrees, it has to literally <laughs> leave. And actually, leave. it's it's a good idea because even if you sell it and, and you don't want to pocket the proceeds, what you could do is maybe donate it to the charity of, of your loved one yes, you know something absolutely. that they were interested in and that legacy yeah. then continues just the stuff itself doesn't alright well listen Anne-Marie Kingston of White Sage Decluttering thanks very much for joining us on The Home Show with that great advice thank you Sinead now the Old age dependency ratio in Ireland, that's the number of retirees as a fraction of the number of workers, is set to nearly double over the next 30 years. Now, with that, of course, comes myriad issues. And one of those is housing. Many older people are reluctant to leave their home, maybe downsize. It can be far too big for their needs because of a lack of suitable alternatives, especially if they need extra supports. Well, to talk to me about a new age-friendly social housing development that has commenced in Temple Oak Village in Dublin, I'm joined by Colm Ward, Director of Housing, Social and Community Development in South Dublin County Council. Colm, you're very welcome along to the Home Show this morning. 
Thanks very much, Ned. Now, let's start with what age-friendly means when it comes to housing. How does it differ from other types of homes? Okay, well, age-friendly housing is something we're trying to provide close to existing amenities and within existing communities. But the homes themselves are universally designed, so they're capable of adaption and accommodating people, easy to move in, easy to move around, uh, but capable of adaptation later on in life for people to live independently for longer. So these are housing, this development and, and others like it are built for somebody, maybe social tenants to live in all of their lives. So it's not specifically aimed at maybe people downsizing from other types of homes or is it? It is. It's specifically aimed at people aged 55 and over. We have a right sizing policy, which also doubles as a policy for allocation of age friendly accommodation. So we try to accommodate people both on the social housing list who are aged 55 and older as well as existing social housing tenants who wish to right-size mm. and indeed existing private homeowners who can, can also avail of a community option to, to avail of these properties as well. Now, when you're looking at a site, uh, potential sites for these developments, I mean, Temple Oak in Dublin would certainly, uh, it'll be a very, it's a very busy place, it's a very vibrant place and a huge mix of homes uh, in that particular place. I don't live too far from it myself. When you're identifying as a council um, development for this type of housing, is that what you're looking for? It's near villages, it's near transport, you know, what criteria yeah, do you take into it, account? It's, it's absolutely vital to provide age-friendly housing close to amenities, including shops and health facilities, leisure facilities, and be really close to public transport. Um, together with our partners in Age-Friendly Ireland, we use a site selection tool which assesses the suitability of sites for age-friendly development on those sort of criteria. To, the public realm should be well-maintained and accessible, should be easy to get into and around, but also close to um, vital amenities and facilities for the residents. And where does the funding for these schemes come from, Colm? Uh, the, the funding is 100% from the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage under the Social Housing Construction Programme. And is this something that you're actively looking into now across other areas uh, and indeed I presume other councils are as well because it seems to me that when you talk to older people they there is this dearth of housing they simply cannot find uh, suitable accommodation to live in and, and there's a bit of a crisis across the market generally. Yeah, we're, we're very conscious of it and we see the, the projected demographics in our county particularly but across the, the country as well but there's a real need for this type of accommodation. So we have currently about 300 age-friendly homes at various stages of development across the county. So we have some in Talla, in Clondalkin, in Ballyboden and Palmerstown, both directly provided by ourselves and in partnership with approved housing bodies to try and meet the need. But we're also looking at additional sites. And in our current five-year housing delivery plan, we have potential for over 500 homes but we're going to keep going with that. We're going to, I think once we deliver some successful age-friendly accommodation, people will see the benefits of right-sizing and we'll, we'll be able to produce case studies to encourage people and incentivize people to do so. It's completely voluntary, but it's once people see the value in it and the quality of accommodation, I think they'll be really interested and attracted to this type of accommodation. Do you ever come across people who, and I'm sure you do, who are just really reluctant to move out of the home that maybe they've grown up in all their lives, they brought up their children in, even though maybe it's underoccupied now. So how do you persuade or convince people that actually this kind of a move is, is better for them? Well, well, what we're seeing, first of all, we did a, a lot of research in partnership with Age Friendly Ireland a couple of years ago into attitudes to right-sizing. 
So that that involves focus groups and individual studies uh, with with people to, to try and ascertain their attitudes and what the barriers are. And of course, the emotional attachment to a home that they've lived in for a number of years and have um, you know seen their family grow up in is is a big hold on them. But when we we show the quality of design, when we can emphasise that we're going to have community facilities where healthcare providers, where exercise programs can be brought to a, a group of people, and and like when they see the quality of the design as well, um, it's really attractive to them. We have an age-friendly healthy homes project ongoing as well. It's, it's a pilot, one of nine in local authorities in the country, uh, where we go and discuss potential right-sizing with people. And we, we're not in it to convince people. There's enough appetite for it there. But what we're trying to do is make people aware of this as an option because it really future-proofs their living independently as they get older. And I think it's really important that they see the quality of it mm. and understand the benefits to them. And I suppose it has the knock-on effect then of freeing up maybe a three- or a four-bedroom house, which you can then pass on to other people on the housing list. Yeah, we're, we're very conscious of that. In our housing stock alone, we have a housing stock of about 10,000 homes, and there approximately 10% of those are under-occupied. That is one or two people aged 55 and older in three- and four-bedroom homes. So there's a huge potential there to, to free up those under-occupied homes for, for new households but also allowing the people who are living in those homes to, to still live within their existing community with their existing supports and you know as close as possible to their, their local GP and their, their neighbours um, and, and so on. Now, how do you identify potential tenants from this or how do they qualify uh, to, to get one of these age-friendly houses? Okay, there's a, there's a couple of aspects. Um, people on the social housing list who are age 55 and older will be offered the opportunity to, to take a tenancy in them um, based on time on the list. We also operate a transfer list specifically for right-sizing uh, tenants as well. And then there's the option for private householders to offer us their home for purchase and they can then um, take a tenancy in, in these properties as oh, well. So well there's, there's a number of different avenues. Okay, so that's an interesting thing. So somebody who has bought their own home and they're, they're a private, so they're not on the social housing list, but they can, what, like swap out their accommodation yeah. and move into one of these then? Yeah, under our right-sizing policy, we ring fence up to 10% of homes in new age-friendly developments for private right-sizing to facilitate people who may wish to um, free up. They can sell their home on the on the market or they can sell it to us we, we um, require a discount on the purchase price yeah. for the benefit of taking a tenancy in these properties. Okay. And uh, where can people find out more about this column? Um, all the details is on stcc.ie or they can email the council at info at Sinead. All right. Well, listen, thanks a million for telling us about that column. I think it is probably one of the type of developments that has just been, you know, missed or, you know, not considered fully when it comes to, to dealing with houses and we're building all these high-rise apartments when really maybe in some areas what's needed is exactly this kind of thing instead? Absolutely. It's, it's a great opportunity for people, but it's also a great opportunity for communities to retain their existing older populations within the, 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 the area. Mm. All right. Uh, thank you very much. That was Colin Ward, Director of Housing, Social and Community Development in South Dublin County Council. And you can find out more about that on the SDCC website. Uh, now, have you been on your holidays recently? Well, if so, after the break, Jennifer Sheehan will be in studio chatting about how you can best showcase 
those souvenirs that you've brought back. And as always, if you have questions, problems or queries about your home, well, email them to us. Uh, get us in your souvenirs. Uh, show me a picture of what you brought back at the home show at Newstalk.com or you can text us here 53106 at a cost of 30 cents. See you after this. It is the iconic summer song, is it not? <laughs> Jennifer Jean, you're very welcome to the home show. Is it the iconic summer I song? I think it is. Ash, I sure love a bit of cliff. <laughs> Can't go wrong. I'm, I'm a different I'll, demographic to you. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you know what? He's all yours. He's all yours. He's fantastic. You are very welcome back to the home show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. And uh, that was uh, Cliff Richard, of course, singing Summer Holiday. You can listen live, listen back to the show or any part of it uh, on the News Talk app. But for now, we are welcoming Jennifer Sheehan, as I say, back. And the reason we are doing that is because we are going. <laughs> we were talking about all these holiday souvenirs at the top of the show and um, the fact that. I have made some very dodgy decisions in the past about bringing back things, uh, none of which saw past the first week. They came under the heading of what was I thinking? Um, And it strikes me that you probably are far more disciplined than me because you've got this small, beautiful little tiny home and it's not going to be doing with loads of clutter and souvenirs and all of that. No, it's not. And I do have a tiny home, but I love buying souvenirs. Do you? I love them. I just find it so hard to pay for in a market or something when you're abroad. It's so, you know, we're totally in a different environment and you want to bring that feeling. And the furry donkey and, Anything. you know, funny shaped bottles of Galliano. Blocks <laughs> of cheese, weird <laughs> acrylic <laughs> shapes, anything really. Yeah. Right. Okay. Weird stuff. <clears throat> so yeah. we are going to talk. Uh, I think everybody's a bit like that, to be honest. And uh, we are going to talk now about kind of what kind of things you can do with it when you get back if you've made a mistake or otherwise and how to display it and show it off yeah. and all that because I think there's something about bringing back kind of Mallorca on a plate and sticking <laughs> it on your wall that fades the memory fairly quickly especially as a gift it's yeah. all well and good to bring it back yes. for yourself but if you hand somebody Mallorca on a plate like, thank you what Thanks am I supposed to do with that are, yeah exactly I have to dig it out every time they yeah. come to the house all right, okay. Yeah. So art is is one of the things though, and and um, this is something I've. There's only two things now I'll bring back from holidays ever. One is a fridge magnet. Yes, love and them. the other is um, a piece of something that I can actually would display. In other words, yeah. it doesn't have the name of the place on Istanbul, you know, <laughs> 2020 or something like that. It, it's really just about um, something that reminds me of of the place that that I know I will like anyway. So yeah. I, so I, is that would you think that's a good thing? So a good you are thing? very disciplined. You have it well, under I am control. Now it's because yeah. of the hairy donkey and the bottle of Galliano. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm totally with you. I think picking a category is really helpful to to control your spending. So I'm all about getting the souvenirs, supporting the local economy, bringing that feeling of the holiday home with you. Memories are lovely. I think fridge magnets one thing I saw recently that I love is it doesn't have to go in a fridge. You can buy, mm. you know, a sheet of panelling, of, of, of metal panelling and put it anywhere and have this really nice eclectic mix of fridge magnets. Because when you put loads of them together, it looks fun. You know, it's really nice 
talking yeah. points I, even. I, I do have a magnet board and actually mm. it's fun even just yeah. to move them around and remind yourself where you've been. And the other thing that that I now look for whenever I go away is a Christmas decoration yeah, of that place. Yeah, I now think that, it's such a great gift That's as well. super tacky. I mean, you can no, go all I like that. out. I have a lemon hanging from <laughs> my Christmas tree from uh, Limone in Italy <laughs> and, you know, a big bauble with the Swedish flag on it. You know, stuff like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter, yeah. it's Christmas. Okay, well, well, that's exactly it. I'm, there's no such thing as a gaudy Christmas or a tacky Christmas. <laughs> it's just Christmas and I love that. One thing I think really helps is when you're out and shopping, it's helpful to have a photo on your phone of your house and just do a quick little oh my God, I love this fluffy goat, whatever it might be. Where am I going to put it? Where am I going to put it? Does it actually go what I have and maybe settle back? I love art as well. Art is such a nice thing to do because prints, you know, they're flat, they come home easily and you can swap them around. So, you know, you can have a nice gallery wall or picture shelf or whatever you want to do and you can mix and match and put things in and out. So it doesn't have to be always up there, always on display it's a nice thing to bring home, I think. Now, if you are into the collectibles and yeah. whether it's little miniature liquor bottles or... That's a good one. Cups or something. I, I mean, is that a bit over OTT? Is that, you know... I like it. So you could have little little bottles. You could have mugs if you were into like a really big, you know, eclectic mix of mugs. I think that's a fun thing to have. I was in Spain and I only got this lousy mug, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. or there's always ones with like cows coming up the middle or weird things like that. Books is always a good one. Mm. There's always okay. really nice books available. And, you know, if you really want to feel like you're back there, you can sit down, you can browse through it. It's, Are it's you talking nice about now these beautiful cocktail yeah, kind of coffee table books, books something okay. for your bookshelf, and it always that always looks good. That's hard to to get too tacky. Um, I think that looks great. Fabrics are always great. So cushion covers. You said little doilies mm. are really nice. Mm. Maybe They're it's going to really be a throw nice, for your couch. <laughs> I mean, macassars over those the sofa, and you're thinking, what maybe the lace will come back. I'm mean, like at an some old point. grandmother in know. in Spain, you know, or a nana in Italy <laughs> with my little doilies. <laughs> they don't really don't go in my house, but maybe they'll make a comeback someday. Or food. Food and wine is always a great thing mm. to bring back because you can bring it home with you. You can spend your money as you want to while you're there and then you can eat it when you get back and then it's gone and, and it's you gone. don't want to display yeah. it. Brilliant. Okay. Mm. All right. Um, so they are some uh, food for thought there uh, about it. Uh, now, bringing back gifts, yay or nay? No, I, I'm i talking about the I, from the recipient perspective here. Mm. I don't want your holiday gifts. Thanks very much. I just don't. There, there's very rarely a souvenir from your travels that I want in my house. I'll take the food. I'll take a bottle of wine. I'll take sweets. But it was always a huge thing in my office to bring back holiday sweets. And, you know, back in pre-COVID, carefree, skipping off anywhere you felt like it for the weekend, it just meant there was sweets on the go all the time. Mm. And it used to mm. drive me mad because I can't I resist them. I don't have any discipline. There's a kind of then a stress on, you know, when you're away, then the next time your first thought as you get off the plane is, where am I going to get unusual <laughs> yeah. sweets to bring back to the office? You know? And then you end up spending 50 quid in the yeah, airport yeah. because it's duty free, but it isn't because it's, oh my God, no, don't. Okay. I don't think an end to holiday gifts. I'm calling for it right back. here, right okay. now. All right. An right. end to holiday Good gifts. Call. Good Thank you. call. Thank you. All right. Now, Thank we, you. We, need, we probably need a drink after all of that. And <laughs> do you have, <laughs> do you have some foreign liqueur? Like, <laughs> it, it, well, <laughs> yes, well, you can have it. I'd say it's well out of date now. And it is a little early in the morning for it. But you strike me, uh, Jennifer. As a morning drink. <laughs> well, I was going to say as an elegant cocktail lady. Am I right? Maybe not at this I, hour in the I morning. enjoy a martini. I enjoy a dirty martini. Yeah, I have to say. Uh, sometimes I find them all a bit sugary. But I do think it was one thing that really came 
to the fore in the pandemic with cocktail making. It's something How I started the following. Has bar now taken over from oh, the gin yeah. bar? Has it? Yeah, That's martinis are, well, has it taken over or has the gin bar just receded a little bit and martini is, is back? Mm. Although you can know, you know, gin martinis are quite popular as well. There mix are people, um, and I know some of them and they shall remain nameless, who are now setting up you know, like a la the 1950s Mad Men, cocktail bars oh, in their own it. homes or a gin trolley. I'm in. into it. I, I remember... You're not even a bit embarrassed. No, no. no. <laughs> Absolutely not, no. Okay, no. tell us the basics, uh, your okay. rules for setting up a, a cocktail bar in your home. Okay, so for starting small, you can have a little bar cart. The little trolley, it's very small and neat. You can put it away in a corner. It doesn't have to be on display all the time. You can get them for, for buttons. I saw one uh, in Home Store and more. I was out shopping. They have a little gold one for 15 euro. So you don't have to spend a huge amount of money. And we're talking about it. these little round Art Deco, yeah. glass... Brass, yeah. gold, that kind of thing. And look we? online, you might get a secondhand one. You can spray paint it if you want, you know, gold. You can cover it in contact paper, redo the whatever, the aesthetics of it. I've seen some really nice ones for kind of upwards of 350 uh, with wine racks underneath and glass holders. And I'm quite amazed by how much they can hold, just mm. these tiny little mm. carts. But anyway, that's the small, neat, you know, good place to start a little bar cart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, if you want to go all out with the proper drinks cabinet. Yeah. Now, there's some Irish designers that have made absolutely stunning. They've capitalised, I feel, on lockdown pandemic home bars and they've made some really stunning drinks cabinets. So Zaloof and Bell, and I'm not even going to quote how much this might cost because it... You know what? When it doesn't matter. Ah, go it's on, so our beautiful. listeners are a sophisticated I do, you know what? Lot. I, I don't even <laughs> price unspecified. Price on on ask on I think, request. Oh thing. dear. Okay. Right. Um, or bare creation. They have beautiful, beautiful wooden drinks cabinets. And this is the thing where you know you close over the door and everything's out of sight. Mm. So if you are embarrassed about you know your home bar cocktail indulgences, whatever, you close this right over and nobody needs to know what's behind it. And then you open it out and it's just this beautiful, you know, home bar with all your glassware, all your bottles on display, all of your little accessories and accoutrements. And it it really looks amazing. All right. Well, listen, Jennifer, uh, thanks a million for doing all that shopping for us. Oh, it's a great hardship (laughs) uh, for us. And uh, thanks a million for coming in and telling us all, uh, all about that. Delighted to be here. Now, that is all we've time for. Now, Jennifer, oh, just remind us of your Instagram. Workers Cottage. Yeah, that's fine. And uh, you can turf up your best cocktail recipes up there as well <laughs> after the show. Maybe leave it to lunchtime before you take a tipple, folks. But who am I no to promises. say? <laughs> and if you'd like to get involved in the show uh, or get in touch with us, if you have a question, a topic, anything you'd like us to cover, do let us know. 53106 for 30 cent or email us all through the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and every single one of those will get read. And don't forget to check out our podcast on the Newstalk website or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, producing today, Maurice O'Sullivan and Stephen McLoon was on Sound. Anton Savage is up next. Have a fantastic weekend and remember we're here every Saturday with or without cocktails at 8am.